episode of Digital Digital Get Down. Now, sorry to say this is not an in-sync tribute podcast, although it could turn into one rather quickly, I think. Uh, this is a husband and wife duo talking about things, things like books, movies, TV shows, and arguing about all of those probably, yeah? My name is Bennett. I am a uh, failed author of 20, 20 failed books. Self-published uh, books, not failed That books. makes it even worse. Thanks for adding that. <laughs> uh, I am the creator of a website called bookdigits.com, B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S.com. Got them all. Uh, it's a book review website similar to Goodreads, except a lot better than Goodreads. Goodreads we, don't, we don't say Goodreads on this podcast. Goodreads can suck a dick. <laughs> I am, what else? I'm a former fat person, recent vegetarian, I am an expatriate, I'm a Patriots fan, and a trophy husband as well. I don't know if I can beat that intro. Go for it. My name is Heather. I am Bennett's uh, part-time editor and social media manager. and I was going to say part-time wife. I was going to say full-time oh, wife. Okay, gotcha. uh, I also am a failed author, mm-hmm. although only have one self-published book, not so 20. So far. So far. As Bennett mentioned, we are Americans living abroad at the moment. We're living in Melbourne, Australia, or Melbourne, as they say mm. it here. Uh, I work at a science museum by day. I play softball and take ice skating lessons. And in my spare time, I read probably too much fan fiction. And a uh, fun fact, I hate binge watching. As much as I like TV mm. shows, uh, I hate binge watching. I don't have the attention span for it. Now, we should tell the people that we just watched two episodes of Friday Night Lights, so we're in an emotional state. Yes. So Friday Night Lights season three. Sure. We're getting very into it. We're not going to talk about that too much today, but that's no, where our heads save it are for at another right episode. now. We're, so, we're drinking wine. Heather has not given it a good review. I think it's fine. It was a gift. At, I can't complain too much about free wine. Uh, it's just not my favorite. And this is a, a very special Easter episode. This is our first Easter episode as well. We're broadcasting <laughs> on Easter, recording on Easter. <laughs> Nothing more to say on that, for sure. It's going to get cut. Um, so, yeah. we're going to start uh, our podcast each week with good news, bad news. So, we are going to discuss our favorite news story that we saw this week and our least favorite. I'll preface this by saying you can assume our least favorite news stories of the week have to do with American politics. I was going to say, we're, we're not going to say the T word on this podcast. No, probably. we're not going to bore you with those opinions. These are pop culture kind of news things, not anything uh, too, too serious. So did you want to start, Ben? Sure. I'll do my good news first. You're going to call me Ben on the podcast. Ben, ben, whatever comes out. Okay, that's fine. I feel guilty about my good news pick, though. But just say it, just say it. Um, well, you have to tell a little bit of the background. So my wonderful wife here was kind enough to get me one of the um, Nintendo, what's it even called? Nintendo Classic? Nintendo Classic. 
uh, systems for Christmas. That's the one, that's the little box that you just plug into the HDMI port of the TV and you can play all the old school classics. You told me that was the one thing you wanted for Christmas, and then we found out it was like nearly impossible to get a hold of. Right. You yelled at me that I had no good ideas for what I wanted for Christmas, so I finally came up with one, and then you said, it's too hard to find. Why did you pick such a hard one? Yeah, that. Um, so anyways, I've been pretending that I grew up as a Nintendo kid, when in reality I did not. I've never played any of these games. I'm incredibly awful at all of them, pretty much. You can tell them that you're a Sega Dreamcast well, Whatever. Sega Genesis Sega was Genesis. the first system. Yeah, I wasn't particularly good at that either. Uh, but these Nintendo games are just ridiculously difficult. Tecmo Bowl, I want to throw the controller. I tried to play the first Zelda for two hours that day. I almost and cried. And had to Google. Google I had how to, to Google pass it. the maps, yeah. Are you going to get to the good part of this news? Right, right, There's right. a lot of preface here. Yeah, I'm building things up. Okay, okay. So the news story was that no one quite understands why they're doing this, but Nintendo put out a press release saying, we're so happy that everyone was excited about the Nintendo Classic and really loving it so far. And that only two people managed to get a hold of them and Correct. everybody else wants they to. They apologized that it was so difficult to acquire, and they said, because of all that, we're going to discontinue it uh, after this next batch of, of releases. And that's your good news for this week. Right, because now I'm thinking, not that I don't love the gift, but I'm thinking that in like two years from now I can sell it for like at least two times the original price. So it's the gift that keeps on giving. It was an investment gift is what you're saying. Well, yeah, and I haven't owned anything that would be classified as a collectible. Not since Beanie Babies. Not since Beanie Babies, pretty much, yeah. And I think this probably mm. has a better chance of return on investment than uh, any of your Orca Whale Beanie Babies. But those books promised me... I know, I have the books too. I had three books. I had the case that you buy. I have the Princess Diana bear inside. Wait, you kept the animals in a cage? A case, like a gla uh, a plastic case so that like the air wouldn't contaminate them. So, so that there were no breathing holes value. in this case. No. Did you see the gir giraffe being birthed today? I don't really care. I don't understand. Uh, uh, I don't understand why people care about I it. I didn't think I Sorry, cared. Sorry, Candace. I know that's part of your job, but we said if we weren't going to make inside jokes, that means we're also not going to refer to okay, people sorry. that the audience does not know. <laughs> sorry. Uh, um, it's just been such a build-up. It's been like three weeks. They keep saying any day now she's going to give birth, <laughs> okay. and then I hadn't been following it at all. So then once they said it happened, I was like, "No, nah, I'm not going to click on it." Then I went to two other sites, and they both had the video. So I was like, "Okay, I'll click on it." See, this is this is why when you don't go on the internet for weeks at a time and miss out on things, then yeah. you come in at the end and it's fun for people yeah. that have been watching these links of any day April's going to give birth. I was just sick of it three weeks ago. So you're agreeing that my approach to internetting is better than most people's, except that you miss most things. I saw. The giraffe you saw pooping it. out another little giraffe, it so it was magical. You know it doesn't come out of the same place where the poop comes out, right? Oh, it's pretty close. So we need to go through that? Okay. That was Benny's good news for the week. Uh, my good news has to do with the TV mm -hmm. show that we have both watched. Maybe we'll talk about this on a future future episode. Hit me with it. Uh, Yuri on Ice. Oh, yeah. For anyone who doesn't know... Born to be... Make history. Sorry. Born to make history. <laughs> um, it is a Japanese sports anime. About ice skating. In Japanese subtitles. Yeah, people can read. Yeah, that's good. Uh, part of the reason I went back to taking figure skating lessons was because of this show inspired me. Uh, but they released on Twitter, or somewhere on the internet, I saw it on Twitter, extra content from the Yuri on Ice season. And it was my favorite character, Yurio, or Yuri Plasitsky, doing his exhibition skate to um, Welcome to the Madness, including Odebeck. 
and it was a total surprise. I did not know they were releasing it, and I was very excited about it. Like a little, just a little bit of extra Yuri on Ice. So for pretty me. much like uh, Beyonce dropping a new album. This was the equivalent <laughs> for you. The equivalent in the Japanese sports anime world. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, but it was just a total surprise. I didn't know it was coming. It apparently is to promote the DVD release in Japan, which I don't think it's being released in Australia or America, so it's not really relevant to me, but I was very excited about the video. It made my day. Good. And have they explained why they named two characters on the show, both Yuri? Well, I'm hoping that this uh, is kind of like a hint that the next season is going to be Yuri Plisitsky on ice instead of of Katsuki Yuri on ice. Like, I'm hoping they're going to focus on other Yuri, since they're all in St. Petersburg anyways, and made a scene at the end of So they can do a crossover season, but leave the show with the same name. Yes. still applies. Yeah. That's my hope, because I love Katsuki Yuri, but... Yuri Plisitsky is my favorite, and I hope we get to see a little bit more about him. Yeah, you forced me to watch it, but I definitely enjoyed it. It's a quick quick watch, but obviously with the subtitles, you do have to pay a bit more attention. attention. But it has that wonderful theme song at the beginning that makes it worth it. Yeah, I'll sing it another time when I practice. Well, don't, we're talking too much about this. We might do this on a later podcast. Singing? No, Yuri on Ice. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, You stick, you keep going. Give us your bad news. Okay, I'll go to my bad news. This is, I'm already kind of cheating the rules of this segment, Mm. but my bad news for this week is just how everyone is treating Emma Watson and her brand of feminism. Okay. I just feel like I'm sick of seeing every news headline be like Emma Watson has saved feminism and Emma Watson has invented feminism. Like I think she's doing a very good thing with her fame. She's doing a very valiant job of trying to, you know, she always wears um, like fair trade dresses and things to red carpet events. And she did that UN to he for she thing. And she's very outspoken in interviews for feminism, but I just feel like we shouldn't be uh, like rewarding and lauding someone for like wanting equality like, mm-hmm. this isn't even against her. I, I think she's doing well. I think if I was in her position, I would hope I was doing even half as well as she's doing. Mm-hmm. I'm just sick of, like, the media's kind of opinion that she invented feminism or she's the only person that's, like, doing feminism right in the whole world. Like, there are plenty of other people who are speaking up for equality and for feminism. And I just feel like all I ever see over and over, especially with all the Beauty and the Beast stuff, is Emma Watson is, like, saving feminism. So you're not mad at Hermione. No, I think Emma's doing a great job. I just don't like how the media is kind of framing her and making it seem like she's this like white hero that feminism needed oh. all along. So like I was unaware that any of this was going on, but then just having good luck today on Facebook, which I go on for like five minutes a day, uh, I had some sort of weird ad pop up that was like, Emma Watson is the best feminist, I forget what it said, like in decades. So I, I figured that you planted that there just to get me all riled up. About no, it. I wasn't even Googling it. So it wasn't even like Google alerts yeah. you to put it on. But yeah, that's the kind of stuff that's like such a hyperbolization. Is that a word? Mm. Uh, sure. It's such a hyperbole of her place in the feminist movement. Mm. And not that I'm a huge expert on that. I just feel like the media shouldn't be making it out to be like that she's like the end all be all of feminism. Like just because she was in Beauty and the Beast, which they changed like two scenes to make it more feminist or something. I don't think that makes her like the leading authority on feminism in the world. Okay. I trust you. Okay. We got a little off. That's good. You're good with that rant? Yeah. We got a little off track, I think, but I'll let you go to yours. And I think yours is kind of similar to mine. Yeah. Okay. So to wrap up this first segment, did we even say the name? Good news, bad news. I said at the beginning, good news, bad news. All right. So my bad bad news. news portion. My bad news 
Uh, I don't really want to talk about the United Airlines thing because it's been talked to death already. And too many jokes and too many... People are making jokes about it? You need to go on the Oh, like the parodies and stuff. I saw one parody. It wasn't very funny. So many parodies, so many jokes, and so I many late night segments. even talk about how like annoying the background voices were in the videos. Like, it You're def- talking about it right now. It definitely felt like some people were like, I know I'm going to be on YouTube later, so I'm going to talk extra loud, blah, blah, blah. Anyways... So I heard about all the United Airlines stuff. So I went on and I literally Googled what are the best airlines in America because I said, okay, I want to definitely never use United again. We've had a bad experience with United. This United ruined yeah. Christmas. They were the Grinch last year for yeah. me. Literally ruined Christmas. American Airlines, we've flown across country a couple of times and it's nothing really special. Uh I always hear people talk about Southwest and JetBlue sort of as like budget airlines where they're trying to squeeze every dollar out of you if possible. To pay for extra legroom and pay to pick yeah. your seat ahead of time and all of that. Yeah, where Southwest like, you know, drives you around like cattle. And so I was like, okay, I'm obviously missing some airlines, like some of the elite premier airlines that I can now fly when I get rich in America. And so I Google it and these results come up and apparently there's only like six airlines operating because they've all been bought out and they're combined all been and they're all part of one sky or whatever bullshit the that one is. Hip one, the one hip one that existed was Virgin American, Virgin America, but that's now been bought by Air Alaska, which was, is much less fun. It's always so expensive, too. Like, Virgin Australia is actually a like reasonable yeah. price, like equivalent to, to Qantas for the most part. Yeah. But in the U.S., I feel like it was always ridiculous. So I was just devastated because I said... You know, all these people want to boycott all all these airlines. There's not going to be any left for you to pick from. It's just a matter of picking the best of the worst, I guess. And so that just made me sad. Yeah, especially because Australia seems to have, not that their airlines are perfect, but you have Qantas and Virgin Australia, which are pretty solid. You have Etihad, which is meant to be really nice. We haven't actually ever spent the big bucks for that. And then you have the budget airlines like Jetstar and Tiger Air, which are kind of shitty, but they also tell you, that they're going to be shitty. Like, yeah, they're not pretending to be good getting. airlines. Yeah. So, yeah, it doesn't seem like... And so the, the Google told me that Delta was the highest ranked one. And I've always heard shit things about Delta I as used well. to like Delta, like, in 1992. But... Yeah. And so it just made me sad because, like, like Air New Zealand, which is, like, the go-to airline for New Zealand, that's one of the best in the world. Nuh-uh. They changed huh? their video. It's no longer the Lord of the Rings uh, safety video anymore. That's yeah. inexcusable. I know that. That pissed you off. That was horrible. That's like half the reason I wanted to fly that was to see that beautiful safety video and they changed it to something um, not funny. Oh, well. Okay. We'll wrap up that segment. So now we're going to go into our quote-unquote main section of yeah. the podcast, the meat of the podcast. Or okay. I just said I was beginning yeah, a vegetarian. Sorry, that was rude. too soon. Uh, poor pun choice there. Um, so we are going to talk about uh, books that we both read and probably one of us hated and the other one loves. Yeah, because we are a literary power couple. With horribly different tastes in literature. Right. But books, we'll try to talk about books every every episode for sure. Yeah, it's definitely, as we mentioned in the intro, we're both um, struggling authors <laughs> and have our uh, book review website, Book Digits. So... Yeah, we'll definitely have a focus on books, but we'll also talk about movies and TV shows a bit. So we're going to start with books, though. First, though, a word from our sponsor. Black Apron. (laughs) When you need something... No, I'm joking. We don't have any sponsors yet. Our Um, only sponsor is Book Digits, a really great way to review books. Bookdigits.com is free. The tagline is a smarter way to explore books. Oh, sorry. 
a smarter way to explore books. Yeah. Um, that's our only sponsor because we own that website. Um, and we would like you to join it. You could win a cool raffle prize. Yeah, we give away stuff. Get some good book recommendations based off of your own to-read list. Go ahead, spell it for the people. B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S dot com. That's right. We paid for a dot com. All right. Now back to our regularly scheduled programming here. So this week we are talking about Captive Prince. Well, okay. Let's back up a little bit. Explain what you did in terms of your reading list last year. Okay. Start with that. So last year I decided I wanted to make a concerted effort to read more female authors. I think we often don't necessarily think about the authors of the books we're reading or not as much as we should. Um, And a lot of times female authors or authors of color don't get um, the same shelf space or the same promotion as white male authors. Um, So I wanted to make a specific effort to read only female authors. So all of the books I read last year, which was like 75 books. A lot of books, yeah. Um, I read a lot on the train to on the train to get to work and at lunch at work. So I made a concerted effort to only read female authors for the entire year. And um, I supported you. Sure, you supported me. And reading only female authors certainly didn't mean I um, didn't read any shitty books. There were some very <laughs> shitty books that I read that were by female authors. But I also found some really great books. The beginning of last year, I read something like eight or nine books in a row that were just some of my favorite books mm-hmm. ever. And they were all in like January, February of last year. Um, so one of those book series is what we are going to talk about today. And it's uh, a book series that I've recently forced Bennett to read, even though yeah. it's usually... Uh, it's quite outside of his usual reading well, tastes. Well, I made a mistake because I actually am like the only person on earth who's gotten their to-read list under control. Mine has like 500 books on it. It's out of control. Yeah, you can go on to just and see each of our, our to-read lists. Mine was down to about 10 books. So I said, honey, I haven't gotten you too many Christmas gifts. So as an extra gift... What? No, no, no. It was not, not all just happens? a gift to me. You said you hated all of the books that you read. All You were sick of mm. all of the pretentious literary bullshit that you read. And you wanted to see the kinds of books that I was liking since I'm always going on and on about the books yeah, that I like. I guess you're paraphrasing what I was going to say. Yeah, that's fine. I have 568 books on my to-read list. We're going to do a culling <laughs> no. for next week. And we'll check in every week no. about how far we got It's down. just going to get bigger and bigger. So I added, I think, about 30, 35 books or so. Of, like, my top books from last year, recent years, um, or just books that I thought you would enjoy, even if I was just mediocre about them. And so you would not shut up about The Captive Prince. Is it The Captive Prince or just Captive Prince? Um, I thought the first... I think it's just Captive Prince. Uh, Anyway, it's by C.S. Picat. Which is a name. That's... How did you even know all these people were women if they're using initials and stuff? I had stuff? to Google them and see what their photos and were And none of them had times. pseudonyms or anything. Did you know J.K. Rowling's real name isn't J? Do you know she doesn't have a middle name? Mm-hmm. She just made up that K letter. It's her mom's name. Oh, Robert Galbraith. <laughs> you always um, goofy, goofy. There are a lot of people that use just initials. Uh, and, yeah. I, and then I had to look them up to make sure they were female. Um, but so C.S. Picat is her uh, pen name. And she yeah. also lives in Melbourne. Melbourne-based. Um, although I somehow mi- managed to miss every single one of her speaking events in the past yeah. year. Um, it's just Captive Prince. I was right. There's no the in it. Okay. 
And the series is also called Captive Prince, Captive Prince Trilogy. Yes. Sure. So we, I guess sometimes we'll talk about individual books, but today we're going to talk about the whole trilogy. Now, did you, you got it from the library or how did you get it the first time on Kindle? Uh, I got it from the library. Um, I had, people had been recommending it to me for a while um, and I didn't pick it up until the third one had just come out. Mm. Um, And yeah, I just got it from the library, which was a little bit of a problem because they were high in demand because the third one had just come out. So I had to like wait on the waiting list at the library like a peasant. And wait well, for the next book. It's a digital waiting list. You were never in line. You're never no, queued up. No, as but like say. mentally, I queued up for it. I had to like read other books in between, even yeah. though I really wanted to keep reading them because there's some cliffhangers. <sighs> so, for people who don't know, I'll give a brief summary Please. of the trilogy and try not to do too many. There's a spoilers. lot of spoiler. There's a lot of gay sex. That's not in the first. That's going to become a recurring yes in the first book. There's oh, the whole yeah. death match thing That's in the true. center of the ring. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. So it is a male-male romance. Yeah. Um, it is a sort of medieval fantasy world. Correct. It's not. It has a map at the front, which is normally <laughs> one of the things that says to me, "Do not read this book," because the author's making up locations and geography. I don't even trust maps. I don't even trust Google Maps to begin with. Let alone <laughs> trusting an author without a real first name. To name all these countries and assume they all have different languages, but actually they're all speaking English. Anyways, go on. Anyways, so the book starts with one of our characters, Damon. He is captured within his own home in his own castle as part of a coup and disguised and sent to a rival kingdom as a gift to the rival prince of that kingdom. Uh, And the... First book takes place in Veer, which is Lorenz's kingdom. Yeah, it's on the map. It is on the map. And uh, you start to get the relationship between the two uh, main characters, Lorenz and Damon. And as it goes on, it, it's from Damon's point of view. I was going to say, it's not first person, but he's the... It's unreliable narrator to some extent in that yeah. you're seeing everything very much from Damon's point of view with his prejudices and his um, preconceived ideas of what these people are like. And as the book goes on, you start to he starts to question some of those ideas that he's had and question his feelings towards this other Prince Laurent. And you don't know if anyone else in the book knows who he is. He doesn't know who anyone else knows. Right. So there's definitely that aspect of hidden identity of mm-hmm. um, are people going to find out who he is? Do they already know who he is? What would happen if they found out was they're very much rival kingdoms um so the first book ends with him kind of having a chance to leave and not leaving Mm. and then the second book is when they really start have to start to work together to outwit the the main villain in the story um so i don't want to give too many spoilers yet so if you haven't read the series and want to uh you may want to step out for a little while and jump back in later um, so we can discuss it. I don't want to accidentally spoil anyone because there are quite a few good twists. Uh, There's a lot of gay sex. (laughs) Eventually. What do you mean eventually? The the veer, am I saying it right? Sure. I don't speak French very They seem to operate on gay sex. So veer is very um, open with sexuality in Mm. sometimes a non-consensual way and it's (laughs) It's not played as, like, a fantasy. It's played as quite a terrible place, to be honest. Um, and I think it's meant to make you kind of uncomfortable and make you... Um... Mission accomplished, C.S. Pagat. <laughs> Mission accomplished. And it's later in the books, at the end of the second book and in the third book, that it's it has the two main 
characters mm. um, and their relationship and how that develops, including the sexual side of it's their relationship. certainly one of the strangest love stories I've encountered in a book. Um, so it's unpredictable in that way. And I know you don't love political intrigue. I was going to bring up the but There were a lot of good buzzword. twists, and I know that... For me, it's exciting to have it be like, oh, he knew all along. Oh, we had a backup plan and the army Ugh. was coming to save him. And I know you hate that because it's mm. it can be a bit sloppy storytelling. It can be a bit of um, them getting saved out of nowhere. And I find that yeah. interesting and a fun like twist of like, oh, shit, he knew all along. And you're kind of like, well, that's stupid. Yeah, I just I would assume that these princes and kings and such would be relatively intelligent people. But a lot of things seem to catch them by surprise. And they have a lot of opportunities to kill people, and they just happen to let those slip through the cracks. Some of them were intentional. Of course. Then you never know if what they're doing is intentional or what the other person's doing is intentional. But that's the fun part, is trying to figure out people's motivation. I don't watch Game of Thrones, in case you can't tell. <laughs> Do you want to tell them the one thing you know about Game of Thrones? I'm Jon Snow, and I'm afraid of kills. <laughs> What's the other thing about Jon Snow? Uh, he's a bastard. <laughs> yeah. Um, so hold the door. What a dumb. Even I will dumb admit that reveal. Was, that was a dumb reveal, and it doesn't work in other languages. It's really, which really irritates me. Ugh. Like, what is his name? Puerta in Spanish. That does not work. Oh, I have to speak Spanish. Just throw that in. <laughs> um. So I find that type of like, uh, especially kind of medievally political intrigue interesting to to figure out how Laurent's brain kind of works and um what he has planned up his sleeve and how much he knows and how much he's planned for. And I know you don't. So it wasn't the gay sex that drew you in. Cause there is a common thread among books you seem to enjoy. I like a good modern, uh, male, male story. I, I don't like all of them. I read, okay. um, Aristotle and Dante's discovers the universe or whatever, mm-hmm. which is highly recommended like all over the place. And I did not enjoy that very much. Okay. We don't have to talk too much about that today. I'm so just you're saying, just saying that gay sex does not automatically mean that you're going to Correct. Enjoy. It just, mm. I just find that some of the recent books that I've read, mostly probably because they're interesting and they're not something I've read before. Right. They're not it's the not same. Typical, yeah. Like I've read a lot of young adult books and you get a little bit bored of like, Oh, the boy moves in next door and the girl's kind of weird, but she has a crush on him. <laughs> like how many times have you read that story? Yeah. Whereas like, I don't think I've ever read two rival princes have to save two kingdoms and fall in love along the way. And do a lot of stuff with dicks in between. <laughs> There's just the one scene was in the third book when I got, got confused about got where, confused. what was the where. Yeah. There was just like descriptions of them being connected in multiple ways at the same time. It's just, it's not the type of things I visualize all day long, I guess. So all right. I was Too a many dicks out of my and not enough holes for your normal. <laughs> exactly. Um, but I mean, you know the type of books that like we're reading that I grew up with, like the towards like Tamara Pierce's Tortal books are like yes, some of my we'll favorite. We'll talk about those sometime too. And um, that type of kind of like medieval knights. And I, you asked me recently why I liked those so much, and yeah. I don't, I don't really know why, but I think that's part of the reason I like Captive Prince. That same kind of feel, um, but in a different story. Um, not. Did you ever picture yourself a or... as a princess growing up? Were you obsessed with being a princess? No, I was more interested in being like the characters in Tamara Pierce's books, where it's like she could mm. talk to animals, and she was a witch, and she was a, a knight, and whatever. Like, I found that more interesting, which I never really wanted to be a princess, I don't think. If anything, Mulan was always my favorite, and she's not even a real princess. She is a warrior, and she saves China. Badass, yeah. So that was the kind of stuff that I grew up reading. Um, And that's one of the critiques about Captive Prince that some people say is because it's a male-male romance, and there's a lot of homosexual uh, 
sexual things in the books mm. that there aren't very many strong female characters or very many female character- characters at all, at all really no. I mean Joe Costa is a very strong cunning female character but she's off page a, a lot pages, yeah. you have the um the Vaskian society with um, you know, Halvik and the warrior women. Right. Um, and they have a very strong female character, uh, female society, but in terms of like individual strong female characters, it is a bit lacking for that. So it doesn't pass, does it pass the test that you always talk about? What's it called? Oh, the Bechdel test. I mean, mm. there's whatever, that's not the end all be all of, of feminist literature or movies either. But um, I don't think it does because it's mostly from Damon and Lauren's yeah. point of view. So I don't know that there's many conversations that happen that aren't. Um, revolving around them but mm. I mean you, every, you can't expect every single book to have everything you That's can't true. expect every book to be good for feminism and good for people of color and good for <laughs> and good for LGBT and good for this like, yeah, like the just book trying would to just, check the boxes the book would read book. as like a seventh heaven after school special it, it wouldn't seventh read, heaven great show it wouldn't read as authentic okay now as we wrap up this bit let's get to the most important question what's the fanfic situation with Captive Prince? Anything out there? Lots of good fanfic. Mm. Um, some very good Australian fanfic authors specifically, probably because it does have a big following here being um, CSP Are there Cat special Australian here. fanfic sites or are they all no, on no, the no, big boards? Um, I just notice them because they'll talk about Melbourne coffee shops or talk about rugby oh. or talk about Australian things. Um, one of my favorite fanfic authors is uh, for this uh series is is australian from melbourne cool um i just want to talk about one more like a couple more quick critiques i know that something that bothered you about this book as you complained to me was like the off-screen villain especially in the third book and i know that's something that bugged you about another series i made you read recently the foxhole court books that will probably get into in a different podcast but same deal it's got this kind of overarching um suspenseful villain in the background that you don't actually really see on on screen or on page, I should say, yeah. very often. Um, so yeah, did that make it, just, it less suspenseful, less dramatic for you, the last book? Or? It was just, it felt, it just felt weak. It was like they were all, you know, the good guys were fighting against this force. But, I don't know, he never felt particularly evil to me because you didn't see him doing very many evil things. Um, and plus, like, he was just this old uncle guy, and it was like... what did He sexually even... assaulted his own nephew. Spoiler, sorry. Yeah. More gay sex, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I kind of disagree with... I see what you're... I see what you're saying, and that it could have added more suspense if he was there and always around but i think the scarier thing about the uncle is is that was the point is that he wasn't on screen but you never knew who was working for him yeah because it's revealed a couple different times that he had different spies and different people that he had following them and trying to to cause trouble in their camp and all of this and so i think i found it interesting that it wasn't just a straightforward like oh the bad guy's coming with a sword to get you like he had all of these machinations and plans so I thought that was one of the interesting things that made him seem almost more dangerous or it made it more suspenseful for me was that, like, even if he wasn't on page, that just made me worry, what's what's he planning? Who's yeah. working for him? What's what's going to happen? So I think that if you, you – know, we, we read stories a bit differently, but I, I was definitely more focused on the character um, development and the relationship building of it, and I thought that made for a really good – kind of high stakes aspect of their relationship and of i mean it was it was meant to be temporary and, and most of the second book was they weren't they didn't think that they were going to be able to have this because of the uncle and because of the um feuds between their countries and things like that so i think like the will they won't they of their relationship 
both before they got together and then even after they got together, will they stay? Is it going to be worth it to make them stay? I think that added enough suspense to make it worth it for me. Okay, I'll buy it. And I know we both kind of agreed. One of my few big critiques of the book probably is that I did feel like the ending was pretty rushed. Yeah. There's so much build up in the second book and the third book. And I mean, it was originally really just written as one long story that ended up getting split in three books, I believe. But, um, yeah, the ending just seemed like such a big buildup. Like I said, of are they going to be able to get together? Are they going to be able to fix their countries? Are they going to be able to overcome all this treachery that's, um, that they've been dealt with in their lives? And then in the end, it's kind of just like, oh, he stabs him, the bells ring, the end. Yeah, and there's a lot of talk in the series about, obviously, as I said, there's a map here with people fighting for territory and things. And so you'd expect there to be some decent battle scenes, but there's not very much... Not very much, like, war, warfare appearing on the page. Well, and a lot of the warfare that, is appear, that does appear on the page is very small-scale. It's very, like, micro. Like, yeah. you're seeing Damon's point of view from his horse and, like, his little, you know, five-square-feet area yeah, that he's Yeah, let's not defending. forget about the little people, I guess, is what I'm saying. And so, yeah, you expect there to be these big battles, and then the series culminates in this kind of weird courtroom scene where it's like, oh yeah, we really care about listening to our judicial system all of a sudden, even though nothing has mattered before now. Well, the point was the uncle had bought out all of the other council members. Corruption. Yeah, and then they he, they had to really, really, really be convinced to go against the uncle because they were afraid or thought it would be more profitable to go for him. So, But I agree that yeah. for the second book was all about training for this battle, and even most of the third book is battles, and then it ends with this courtroom scene that seems to switch... Uh, switch allegiances very yeah. quickly, and then yeah, the actual climax it's over, and then you flip the page, and that's the end. Of the Plenty book. of climaxes up to that point, though. <laughs> no, we can add in some effects later. <laughs> okay, sorry. So, anyways, so uh, would you recommend this to people? Would I recommend it? Or who would you recommend it to? <laughs> I know I recommended this to my best friend who has been reading a lot of my yeah. books, and she hated this. I've I've done very well with most of the books I've recommended her, and even some male-male yeah. romances, so it's not even that. She just hated these books. I think I would probably use Game of Thrones as an entry point. If I knew someone that really, really liked Game of Thrones and wanted to maybe push their reading um, interests a little bit, then I think it would be a... A good good yeah, thought for them. That's a good way to put it because, I mean, obviously everyone knows Game of Thrones even if they don't keep up with it or watch it. So, um, fair. All right. So now we're going to steer a little bit away from books for the time being. And we're going to talk about a movie this week. That's right. So we are going to talk about the new Beauty and the Beast movie. Mm, um, because I had to pretty much drag you, my wife, to go see it. I was just fairly skeptical of it. Um, I was... A skeptical of Emma Watson, partially because, like I said, I'm getting a little bit sick of just seeing her everywhere as, like, this white savior of feminism. But I also just... I'm always a bit skeptical of remakes of uh, movies that I really liked as a kid. Because even if you watch them now, you still get the nostalgia and the magic of these these songs and these characters as a kid. And I, I'm always just worried that it's not going to live up to that, watching it as an adult or watching a remake of it. Yeah, I'm not even sure why I was so excited to go see it. I I didn't... thought you were kidding because you're like, I really want to see that. And I was like, Are you being serious? Is that, I, really, I can't detect. I was is that never. Sarcasm? I was never obsessed with Beauty and the Beast growing up, uh, but I think I've been so disappointed by a lot of movies that we've seen, and especially the ones that we've seen in theaters. It seems like we're always either going to the Marvel movies or the Star mm-hmm. Wars movies. Which okay, some of them have been good, 
But it was just, I knew it was going to be something a little bit different. And, and like, less um, less intellectual in a way. And that you don't have to, like, follow the plots and try yeah. and decide if you like the characters and stuff like that. It's, it's kind of a sure win in some ways. And when it comes to musicals, I either love a musical or absolutely hate a musical. And I knew I already liked these songs, so I wanted to go see them. And I guess it does live. tie in with your reading thing as well, taking a break from some of those things that you're supposed to like that are yeah. really, like, highbrow, whatever. Yeah. Which, they're they're overrated. Sometimes you just want to watch something fun and have two hours of Yeah, the people who, yourself. like, tried to review this as like, a, as, like, a normal movie, like, that doesn't make any sense. No, it was never going to be this revolutionary movie it, it they didn't make it as that it was no. made to be a fun slightly updated remake of the original All right, but now let's tear it apart because that's that's we're what not we're really gonna, gonna tear it apart so i was very skeptical went into it being like okay i'll probably enjoy this and as soon as i started singing the first song yeah, um, what happened I just had a little bit of a lady bone. I just had not even that. I just had like my hands on my face and this big smile on my face. And I was just like, fuck, this is magical. Like it sold me from that first minute. And even with Emma singing, like I know there were decent complaints, even with some of the group we went about, why would you do a musical and not have someone who sings? Yeah. I can't really, I can't really judge singing very well. So I'm oblivious. Yeah. But like with La La Land, we were both like, the singing was real mediocre. Poorly on purpose, which is just weird. It was meant to be really like authentic and rough. Like this one, Mm. I think they did auto tune her a little bit more than someone like someone like Audrey McDonald, who is like an actual Broadway singer. Right. Um, But I didn't find it distracting. I found it fit. They, they, let's, let's get to the core of it though. Cause there was one thing that did distract you throughout the first half of the movie. Yes. Who built that castle and why are there no, no walls? That no, no, no. I'm talking about her dress with the, Oh, with, why did no one fix that on the set? If anyone has seen it, there's this like literally 20 minute long sequence of her getting into the castle and the back of her dress is tucked up. I think in it had to be her, done on her purpose. Pants. Like, you know, sometimes girls, when you go to the bathroom and if you have tights and like a dress on and you come out and your dress is tucked into your pants and you're like, oh shit, it just flashed the whole restaurant. That's yeah. what it was like. Except she had these parachute pants underneath. So she wasn't even Were they just trying to show off the parachute pants? It was very disappointing. It was very disappointing to me as a male, as a heterosexual male, because I thought that dress was going to be very attractive on her, and then it just showed her with pants on underneath. It was rags. She did have some good cleavage, though. The cleavage was decent. I don't... I've never found her super, super attractive. I'm not sure why, like, the internet is so obsessed with her. I thought she was quite cute in this movie, though. Oh, she looked adorable. I thought she was the right amount of, like, Belle, she's... What's the line in the song? Oh, I don't know. Always have her head in the clouds. She's beautiful, but her head's in the clouds or whatever. I thought she was the right amount of, like, um attractive in like a little bit of an unconventional or cute way. Yeah. And I thought she I mean, fit well with that. What it that. comes down to is that she's hot for a British woman. Is that right? <laughs> I think that's unfair to a lot of a lot of British women. But she's maybe hot for like uh, uh countryside France. Right. Um, where they don't like bathe Pro- and they don't have provincial. they do their laundry in a fountain. This provincial life yeah, exactly. Okay, explain this castle thing that you... If you don't remember, every time they were dramatically singing around the castle, and even yeah. with, like, the prison area where Maurice was very, house, very dangerous castle. There was just no walls anywhere. Like, they was just, like, dropped off into nowhere, into these massive, like, ravines between the castle yeah. rooms. And half the time, the beast was just spent jumping between these... Yeah, it was a good obstacle course. I guess. Um, what else you got on this? I... 
love the songs in this movie, and I was really glad they did the same songs. Uh, you have to qualify. The originals only, yeah, yeah, though? Yeah, the original I thought songs. the actual new ones weren't that terrible. You went to the restroom okay. during one of them, so you can't speak to it, really. Well, it was getting a little broody, and I had to pee, and I didn't want to miss the climax by peeing during a good part when it was just like... Like the beast singing off into the void. Okay, while we're talking about the beast, can I just bring up how, and you agreed with me when we talked about this after the movie, that what's the actor's name? Okay, well, we're gonna look it up. I thought you knew it. I did know it, and now I'm blanking on but it. But he was more attractive as the beast. But that was the same thing in the cartoon. They were keeping that, uh, Dan what Stevens. What do you mean? Dan Stevens. Don't Dan you remember Stevens. the cartoon um, version you... of the beast at the end? He was not that attractive. No, I either. don't remember what he looks like. Though. I'll pull it up. Um, no, my. I was, but yeah, when he was a French a Frenchman at the beginning, his outfit, he looked like he was wearing like basketball it sneakers. It was meant to be ridiculous, though. Well, right, with his with his face all done up and stuff. But I just thought that the new songs they added were very, um, they didn't seem to be a full song. It seemed to just be like a no. couple lines of a melody. That's what the Beast looked like. It was like, like a reprise without the original. Wow, I, I didn't know which one was the woman and which one was the man. I <laughs> just showed him picture. a picture of the cartoon beast from yeah, the original. I didn't really remember very beast. much from the original at all, actually. And to that be was his face on the thing. It, yeah, it looks like it looks like they got the artist that did Ariel, and <laughs> yes. it was just like just make a couple of tweaks. Is that one of those? Oh, can you believe this Disney secret? And it's going to be yeah. his her long lost cousin or something. Um, Okay, so we're talking about songs. What do you have? What else you got? Uh, I just had a problem with the Gaston song. It's such a fun song in Which the original. Which one are you talking about? The Gaston song. When they're talking about uh, him. No one fights like, like Gaston. Gaston. I don't know any of the lyrics to that. Well, yeah. usually in the cartoon and even in the Broadway musical, yeah. or the, the musical they did so wonderfully at our high school. We did see it at our high school, um, yeah. That's a great song still. Yeah. People can dance and a lot of <laughs> male uh, <laughs> acting parts. Yeah. Um, but... I found in this movie, all I heard was, like, the, of the yeah. stomping, and I didn't hear any of the words. And, like, supposedly they actually updated some of the verses and made them a little bit more, like, um, body. Yeah. And I, I, I don't know why I used that word. B-A-W-D-Y is what I oh, meant. Oh, okay. I didn't know at all what you meant. I was just nodding to... <laughs> made them a, a bit more uh, risque. Okay. Um, but I didn't hear any of it. Yeah, I always All struggle. I like, whenever Dad. I'm watching TV or movies, I struggle to hear things. I'm always tempted to just watch things with closed captions on it. But a couple of the songs, yeah, I was maybe we can blame it on the IMAX theater we were in that the sound was too too loud or All something. All you could hear was but, the bass and not the words. Yeah. But yeah, I struggled. I was I was ready to love that. I was like waiting for that scene and ready to love it. Yeah. And I just couldn't even hear the words at all. And I know you didn't love Josh Gad. Right. So there was all this talk. The only real pre-release stuff that I heard about was how there was a gay character and in this like Beauty and the Beast. And in Alabama because yeah. there's a gay scene and all of that. I think it was a different country, but anyways... No, there was some drive-through um, theater both. in somewhere in the deep south that like banned it because of so, it. So yeah, I just felt like when I was watching Josh Gad on screen, I felt like I could sense the director standing behind the camera, telling him, "Gay it up a little bit more here. Ooh, too much there. Now a little bit more. No, a little less." It was. You need just, to make it gay enough that if people are looking for it, they'll yeah. see it, but not so gay that like parents are going to sh- shield their yeah. children. It was just distracting, and I didn't. His was the one performance that I was just kind of meh about. And, the, and you, you love him in Frozen. I love myself a good old. Oh look, yeah. I've been impaled. Oh. That's your favorite frozen mm. part. Um, yeah, I just found that I was just like interested to see what this big gay scene was at the end, <laughs> and it was literally if you blinked, you missed it. And I'm mm. not even exaggerating using that phrasing. If you blinked, you missed the it two was like seconds, five frames, yeah. two seconds of him dancing with another man at the very, very end. And I don't know if they had a longer cut of that, and they changed it in the end or what. But it was 
it was so obviously Disney trying to get this extra publicity of saying that they have the first confirmed gay character and all this <laughs> bullshit when it was literally, if they hadn't announced it, nobody even would have picked it up or like a few, like, you know, at the bottom of the AV club, it would have been like, yeah. wait, was that a gay scene? Yeah. And instead it became this big thing. And it, it was too gay for people that were like afraid of it, but not gay enough for anyone that actually cares about LGBT rights or representation. Right. So uh, that part was ridiculous. Okay. And you had some other thoughts about the ending. Well, which the ending I also just didn't do not care about it at all. But. Okay. I'll just, I'll make this quick then. I just didn't think the ending made sense because was that whole town asleep? Like the town at the, in case you haven't seen it at the end oh. of the battle, the townspeople that get like kind of run off by like the wardrobe and the clock at the end and their yeah. little skirmish in the castle, they like actually stay around on the grounds in this in this version and come back because they all know the um like Lumiere and all of them in the castle but it was unclear if like the town like did the townspeople age 10 years yeah we walked out of the theater and you were like coming up with all these time travel scenarios and things well just did the townspeople age 10 years and now they're gonna be 10 years older than their wives or their children this is or, Everyone is happy at the end. It does not yes, matter. Yes, it does, because I want to know if the town was asleep the whole time, and is that why Belle found it extra boring and sad? Is because literally nothing changed in the town? Like, I know that's meant to be kind of a metaphor of she hates this small town life, but yeah, I just feel her like... because dad's just diddling with little clocks all day long. It's not going to be exciting no matter what time of year it is. I guess, but I'm just saying I found it interesting, the idea that... <laughs> the idea that maybe... It was so boring there because they, the town was frozen as well. Like they thought they were living their normal life, but nobody was aging because that's what it seemed to play into at the end was the way that they all had a reunion. It seemed like the town was actually unknowingly, like the castle people knew they were stuck and the townspeople didn't realize that they were living the same time over and over. This is cutting edge stuff that you're getting on this Okay, podcast. fine, fine. Uh, we'll wrap it up there. Um, would you recommend it? Definitely go see it. We, I'm going to force you to actually see it twice. Well, I do get free tickets, so. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we might actually go see it again. Um, it's just a fun movie. If you like the original one, if you like Disney movies, if you like big, lovely musical numbers, you'll enjoy it. Like, don't go into it thinking it's going to change your life or be some, you know, revolutionary version of the old one. But if you just want a fun movie... Yeah. to go to with your friends or your mom or your kid or whatever. Yeah. Definitely recommend it. It's very long if you have children. Yeah, they did extend it from the original. But, um, yeah, it's very enjoyable. So to transition to our final segment where we're planning to talk about upcoming things, I just need to bring up the fact that there are still all these news stories going around about how the next live-action Disney remake is going to be The Lion King. <laughs> And all of these stories emphasize that this will be a live-action remake. And then it goes on to say that Donald Glover will be the voice of this, and such and such will be the voice of this. We're hoping that they're just going to train actual lions to running around a stage that, and then do a voiceover like uh, David Attenborough style. <laughs> like, that is live-action to me. Otherwise, it's a CGI animal with seen, voices. Have you seen the musical version? No. They have these really amazing costumes. Yeah, and but that's, they're not saying that's what they're doing. I know, I know. We'll see what happens. I'm more upset about the Mulan one because they've recently said that even though they're going to have it be actual Chinese actors, which yeah. is amazing, and have it be like this female um, martial arts battle, they're yeah. not going to have the songs. Did you no hear that? No music. No music. Who is going to be Mushi? Mushu? Mushu? Not Charlie Murphy. Too soon? I, I still we didn't know that Shirley Murphy existed. Um, All right, explain this last segment. What are we doing? You're going to explain. So I'm going to talk about upcoming some... things that I'm unaware of, and I'll probably explain why I'm not that. Probably, excited about. I know. Okay, the first one we're going to talk about is the Brilliant. Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> Ragnarok. 
trailer. Can you even say it? I can't. Ragnarok is not even a real word. Um, but I thought it was That's really like a shitty beach in <laughs> New Jersey. I thought it was a really fun trailer. Okay, was... I'll, I'll hold on. Yeah. I thought it was a really fun trailer that was like the right amount of campy, like the original Thor movie, where it's like this was lovely. I'll have another, like with the coffee. Okay, like, so that was hilarious. But so I thought oh this God, trailer was like the right amount of campy. Like they had ridiculous '80s music and like the ending where he's like, "He's a friend from work." I thought that was amazing. I made you okay, watch it. So she's on the couch with her iPad, and she's like, "Oh, a new Thor trailer's out. I'm gonna watch it." And so I don't know. Did you have the sound on? I, I didn't even hear any of it. But you were, like, cracking up throughout the whole thing. He's a friend from work. That's hilarious. So I was like, okay, I'll watch it. She said, it's hilarious. And because the Helmsworths are Australian, I'm I'm obligated to support them. So I put it on. Did you know Liam could have been Thor? He auditioned for it as well. I saw that on the um, Dave Norton show the other day. Graham Norton, are you trying to Graham say? Graham Norton, Okay, because I was going to bring up Graham Norton in a second for a different reason. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Uh, what, what time was it on? Was it a late night one? It was on YouTube. I got down. Uh, I, got, I went down a Graham Norton, uh, like, black hole of YouTube because okay. there's so many. Anyway. So she watched it. So I put on the trailer, and I'm like, I'm confused. I'm like, I'm like waiting for a, him to laugh. There must be a second trailer that I'm watching the old one because I'm like, this looks like a normal Marvel movie, still another Marvel movie. Okay, okay. And then it gets to the end, and yeah, he says this funny thing about... Oh, it's okay. He's a friend from work. And yes, I chuckled at that. But he was not the funniest movie trailer ever, as I heard some people... didn't say he was the funniest ever. Some people did. Okay. And anyways, the thing, the deal breaker for me with the Thor movies is Mr. Tom Hiddleston... Hiddle, what do you have against what's Loki? His name? Hiddleston. Can't stand the guy. He seems like he's always trying Ouch. so hard to be a celebrity and get people to like him. And I know he's screwed up. When he dated up. Taylor Swift that time. Yeah. And really, he lost me when we... They show a lot of reruns of the Graham Norton show, which I didn't know was a thing till we came to Australia. British culture, man. But there was a super awkward episode where Tom Hiddleston... Oh, yeah. Tom Hiddleston... Am I saying it right? Yes, Hiddleston. Is there next to Robert De Niro, and the host makes Tom... Or, or gives Tom the opportunity to do a Robert De Niro impression. Because they were in a movie together. And it was awful. And then Robert De Niro had to, had sit, to there. sit there and be like, mm. yeah, he, he, got, he nailed it. He nailed it. <laughs> that was awkward. And so I just... I just that show is usually funny, drunk, awkward, not yeah. really grown-worthy awkward. Okay, so mixed feelings. I had I had said that I was never going to go see another Marvel movie you said you were gonna in s- theaters. Well, I said Wonder Woman I would make an exception for. Yeah, because I'm excited about that. But Guardians of the Galaxy, you said you wanted to see. Isn't that Marvel? I don't know if I'm really Guardians dying Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. What's my favorite joke from the first one? Where it goes over that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Nothing would go over my head. My <laughs> reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. <laughs> that he's your favorite character and nobody else likes him. That's true. I don't even know his name. Correct. Okay. Correct. What else is coming up that I could um, care less about? I saw the trailer for a couple TV shows. Yeah. Orphan Black. We don't remember yeah. anything about the last season. We used to be huge Orphan Black What fans. season is it even? Five? I think it's the fifth season, and it's the last one. Season one, I was absolutely obsessed about. I watched it three times. Season two introduced the boy clones, which was massive. That was two? I think so. 
Yeah. I believe that was season two. Sounds about right. So season two um, was the boy clone. So that was that was like a big twist. Yeah. Um, then we had all the stuff about Kira being like I really magical, hope this like season focuses on Kira. It seems like it's really getting back to the folk, like to finish up the storylines of the main yeah. um, clones, the main four of them that are left. Good. So I hope that's the case. But I like... I had a friend that was texting me about he just finished season four mm-hmm. and I don't remember season four. We're going to either have to rewatch it or just like do a, you know, synopsis, yeah. Wikipedia synopsis of it before. Tatiana got her Emmy, correct? She Finally. won it. Yes. So now they don't have to like go above and beyond of making her do ridiculous stuff. They right. Just... I think that like from the little trailer that I saw, they're mm-hmm. really just going to focus on Sarah, Allison, Helena and Cosima. And I hope that's the case. Cheers to Allison. <laughs> Wano in all of Felix. us. Felix. Cheers to Felix. She can't think I'm dead. <laughs> Sestra brother. Brother mm. Sestra. Um, so that's coming what back else? Else? next month. In June, maybe. Yeah. Um, the other one I'm excited for, which I know you're less excited for, and yeah. we have to figure out how we're going to somehow watch it, is The Handmaid's Tale. Right. Um, I know we've hated everything else we've read of Margaret Atwood, except for But except I for just, Tale. I'm a good New Yorker reader, and so I read the profile of her. It was a good profile. Oh, yes, it is. You should. You said it I didn't read really that. win me over into reading more of her things. We we each tried the first book of the Oryx and Craig Matt oh, Adam trilogy, terrible. and I thought that was really. I've, what? Yeah, I've read some of her short stories and other sure. books since then, and they've been better. That one was just terrible, though. It was yeah. a poor attempt at being Kurt Vonnegut, and Oof. it was uh, savage. It was, yeah, it was rough. It was not fun to read. It was tough, tough to get through. And it, like usually, even if I don't love a book, if, if it's interesting enough and keeps my attention, I'll be like, yeah, maybe I'll read the sequel sometime just yeah. to see what happens. This book, I was like, fuck no, am I reading any more of this trilogy? It's terrible. So the profile, you know, it seems like she's a very nice Canadian lady. I'd love to be, very I'd love prolific. her to be her, be her grandson or something. Um, but Handmaid's Tale obviously is her like cemented legacy. But you didn't even like it. I loved. I need to reread it before they watch me. I probably series. should read it again. We should yeah. probably reread. Maybe we'll do that. I just on remember a it one. being a little bit disorienting, and that but that's always. The point. I know, but I, know I always struggle like with like that, that in books. I'm a very bad reader. You're just a very straightforward reader. You don't yeah. always read between the lines very well, or you don't really like think about it after and think of different things that could be happening no. and stuff. Like you, you read it and then you stop reading it. Yeah. Whereas I think I tend to live in these worlds for a long time. Yeah. Uh, or be thinking about them. For for a long time afterwards. Yeah. Um, but that, no, that book was really affecting for me. So I think, definitely think I need to reread it, but they just had the first full length trailer of that and mm-hmm. it looks eerie and it's so fucking on point right now with it's the world. True. Like it's, it's ridiculous with how scary it is. Yeah. That it doesn't seem like that's that far from reality at this point. I know we, we promise not to talk too much about American politics, but mm-hmm. um, it just is. If you don't watch that trailer and watch that TV show and get scared shitless <laughs> from the way America is going, then you're not fucking paying attention. So I'm excited for that, um, to see how that goes and see if it's a good um, adaptation of it. Yeah. Um, so a couple TV shows I'm excited about. Um, Scam is back, my other foreign language yeah, show. Okay. Norwegian, like, teen show that I really love. And I'm going to make you watch it sometime. We will talk about it in a future podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just come back this week. What is it even? Is it a web series? Is it actually broadcasted it's, it's somewhere? Broadca- it's an actual TV show um, in in Norwegia. Was it in Norway? In Norwegia? <laughs> it's an actual TV show in Norway. Do you have but... a map of that? <laughs> it's Sweden. Um, it is... It is real time. So, like, 
if they say it's Monday, I mean, tried at, to explain if it's to Monday me. at two o'clock, that's when they post the clip is Monday at two o'clock. So, and they also post other stuff that I don't follow as carefully. I guess they should, but they post like Instagrams and text conversations and stuff. So you're, it, it's meant mm-hmm. to be almost like you're their friends and you're like watching this happen, but okay. then they compile it um, and have like episode one, episode two, that's multiple clips throughout the week. So it's like Sunday to Saturday. They have nudity. Um, not really. There's definitely mm. a lot of like team drinking and some sexual content and stuff, but mm-hmm. not too much nudity. Okay. Um, but it's really good. It's um, we'll talk about it in a different podcast, hopefully, if I ever get you to watch it. But sure, it's a typical kind of teenage, almost like Gossip Girl or um, Misfits or what have you, that type of of TV series. Yeah. Um, but it's I find it refreshing in that it's um, there's a lot of strong female friendships. Um, there's a lot of issues they tackle pretty head on. Like, I think there's a lot of times when I'm waiting for them to just keep something a secret and have it like 10 episodes later, just like ruin everything. And they actually talk to someone and talk it out and like get over it. Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just, I find it a very good, interesting TV show with really good, like real characters. So, um, that's come back. Um, and I'm excited to watch that and make you watch it at some point. I think that's some good, some good picks for the people out there. And I just have one more one I want to talk okay, about. That's a book. That's a book. Back to books. It is the... Well, we have to circle back around to books. Yeah. Um, it is the new Sarah J. Mass one, um, and I'm going to... A Court of Mist and A Court Fury, of Thorns and Roses and <laughs> Devils and Goblins. All, all her titles are a bit too similar for me. Um, she has a new book the, every, like, two months. I know. It's the Court of Thorns and Roses series, um, and it's the new one that's coming out and I can't find it. It's the, the second one is the court of mist and fury. I think it's the court of wings and ruin, a court of wings and ruin. Yeah. You made that uh, up. No, I didn't. That's what it is. A court of wings and ruin. So that's coming out very shortly. And, um, I'm excited for that, but I'm a little Are you already skeptical. queuing up at the library for it? I should see if they've ordered it yet. Cause yeah. it'll take ages or maybe I'll just finally buy it. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for that, but a bit skeptical. I, the second book, I like flew through it. It is a court of wings and ruin. I Book was right. Digit and speaks the truth. It's coming out on May second, so that's in a, only in a couple weeks. So there was such a good cliffhanger at the end of a court of mystic fury, <gasps> the second one, that I'm really excited to read the third one and see what happens. And but the second one just had a lot of writing style and narration issues with it. There was a lot of just very long exposition and the long dialogue of explaining things to the main character and. Um, it turned a lot of the first book assumptions and character development on its head in a very fun, interesting way. Cool. Um, but I also just really hated a lot of the writing style <laughs> and it was way too long for its own good. So I'm, I'm very intrigued to read the next book to find out what happens with these characters. So you can look but forward to Heather slamming this book in an Possibly. Podcast. Well, you, that's on your list to read is the Court of I have Thorns a lot of yeah. But it'll probably be a while before. Is there a map time. in the front? Um, yes, actually, (laughs) there is a map. Can't wait. There is a map. So we'll have a future podcast that's just Bennett struggles with book maps. Probably. Um, so yeah, I'm excited about that book and uh, that's coming out in a few weeks now. So, so that concludes the first hour of this podcast. We're going to come back and do a full 40 minutes about about fantasy baseball. Full 40 minutes. Um, that was a Parks and Rec joke. My favorite TV show. No, we don't have time for fantasy baseball this week. Next week, I'm sure we'll squeeze it. It's going to be like our Matt Damon thing. You get it? Yeah. Sure. Um, We're out of wine, so that's the end of the episode. Okay. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. If anyone actually is listening, um, feel free to send us your comments. Um, I am at Heather324 on Twitter. 
And I still have a Twitter. It's at Bennett Gavrish, B-E-N-N-E-T-T-G-A-V-R-I-S-H. Go to bookdigits.com and... Create a free account. Please support Black Apron. (laughs) See ya. See you guys. Thank you.